Happy Easter, everyone. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor of Cross Point Church. Uh, if you're watching one of our services for the first time, we're very glad that you have joined us this Easter Sunday from home. I want to say thanks to Frederick and Dina for making that great welcome video for us. And I want to uh, let you know that you can comment during, while you're watching this video, you can comment in our live chat feature on YouTube. You can let us know if you have any questions. Uh, or if you're on Facebook, feel free to comment, ask any questions you have. I might ask you to share something specific over the course of the message. We would love to interact with you today as we uh, talk about the resurrection of Jesus. I want to know uh, what, what you thought about that video we showed. You know, there was a twist uh, where they started out showing this guy with an empty gas tank. And I don't know about you, but I kind of saw that coming. You know, they started out with the empty gas tank and they eventually uh, made it about the empty tomb. Did you guys see that coming? I saw that coming. You probably did too. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person who likes being surprised with an ending I wasn't prepared for. Uh, there's so many movies uh, that have had great endings that just threw us for a loop. Endings we weren't prepared for, endings we didn't expect. What is one of your favorite movie endings of all time? Why don't you share that in the comments with us? Tell me about a movie that you've seen that ended in a way that left your jaw hanging open or a, a, an ending that made you go online and look at, you know, find what other people are saying about it, different theories that people had. Um, an ending that just got people talking. You know, there's been some great movies that have had great endings, and those are the kind of endings that I love. Now, some of you like happy endings where everything comes together and works out and everyone gets what they wanted or everyone gets what they deserved. But let's face it, those endings are predictable and they're just not realistic. You know, life doesn't give us those endings very often. Life doesn't always give us closure. Normally in life, we get an ending we didn't want or an ending we didn't expect. We get an ending that leaves us with a lot of questions or an ending that leaves us unsettled. And when it comes to movies, those are the kind of endings that I love. Can you name a movie like that? I'll give you a couple of examples. The Empire Strikes Back, right? One of the best movie endings ever where Darth Vader tells Luke, I am your father. And it's one of the best movie endings ever. My son, I had my son recreate this scene from The Empire Strikes Back. He made this huge Lego scene this weekend with, with Luke and Darth Vader, and I'm sharing it with you there. Um, and uh, here's another one. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Do you remember that ending? It's like, was that the end? Is that the beginning? What is that? that? That's what makes that movie so great. Season one, of the ending of season one of Stranger Things. What is going on? Is Will going back to the upside down? Is the monster dead? Is Elle alive? Nobody knows. Those are my favorite kinds of endings. Let me tell you about another, another uh, movie that maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't. There's a movie put out in 1984 called The Natural. It's one of the great sports movies, I think, that has ever been made. If you were born after 1980, you've probably never even seen that movie. It's just a great ending. Everything comes together. Everyone gets what they want. One of the happiest endings of all time that I actually liked as a kid. Um, you know, every, everything just works out. Everyone's pain is redeemed. All of our questions are answered. But then one day, I was in Goodwill. And for those of you who hear me preach, you know I go to, we go to Goodwill all the time. And I found the book, The Natural. And uh, I'm like, wow, I didn't even know it was, it was a book first. This book was written 
Uh, in the early 60s, the author won a Pulitzer Prize. I'm like, this is going to be good. And th- this book was really good. It's one of my favorite books ever. In fact, I'm rereading it right now. But here's the thing. I got to the last few pages of the book, and the ending is completely different than the movie. It's not a happy ending at all. It's, it's disturbing. It's one of the most open-ended, unsettling endings of a book I've ever read. And I, I, st- I still don't know what happened to Roy Hobbs, the main character of the story. And I love that about this book. Now, why, why am I talking about this? Well, right now, we all feel trapped in a chapter or a scene of our lives that we don't want to be in. You know, for some of you, if your life was a movie, you would just like to skip to the next scene or move on and move on to the end. But think about Empire Strikes Back. When Darth Vader announces that he is Luke's father, a crisis is created. The whole galaxy is unsettled by the news. It creates a major disturbance in the force. But that is what makes the movie so great. So what if this is the crisis that makes your life great? What if this is the chapter that makes your story more memorable? What does that have to do, what does any of this have to do with Easter? Well, did you know that the original Easter story, written by Mark in his gospel, which is, we believe, the first gospel that the church had, it doesn't give us a happy ending. Maybe you didn't know that. So we're going to read from the New Testament today, which is the section of the Bible about Jesus. Jesus, of course, had been teach- he had taught and healed and performed various miracles for three years in his early 30s. And he made some very powerful enemies, and those enemies had him crucified. We talked about that on Friday. And his body had been put in a tomb. And his disciples, like everyone else, believed that when you die, you're dead. Uh, there's no coming back. And early on that Sunday morning, we meet some of the women who had been following Jesus for three years, and they were on their way to the tomb to pay their respects. And that's when they discovered something that they didn't expect. So I want to read just a few verses with you from the end of Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. You can join with me. Other words will be read right there on the screen. And here's what we read. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. All right. Now, every Easter Sunday, Christians say to each other, He is risen. And then other Christians respond, He is risen indeed. With, you know, just full of confidence and joy. Uh, I want to tell you that that is not what the disciples or the women were saying to one another. 
and the original Easter Sunday. They were speechless. They were confused. They were shocked. They were trembling with fear. And I want you to hear this because this is really important. Even though that these women and the disciples had been following Jesus for several years, they were not expecting to see Jesus alive. Even though Jesus had told them quite a few times that he was going to die and then three days later he was going to rise again, they didn't see this coming. They were just talking about how, how are we going to roll this huge, huge stone away. They were on their way with spices and perfumes to anoint Jesus' dead body, to make sure his body was properly buried. They were not on their way to witness a resurrection. Where are the disciples? I mean, if they had really understood that Jesus was going to rise again on the third day and believed it, you can be sure that they would have been there. Even, even, though, if, if, even if they thought it was remotely possible that Jesus was going to rise from the dead, one of the disciples would have been like, hey guys, remember Jesus talking about on the third day something big was going to happen? I mean, don't you think that one of them would have gone to the tomb and maybe hid behind a tree or a rock just to see, just to make sure? But nobody says that. Nobody shows up except these three women. Instead, the disciples had locked themselves in an upper room somewhere for fear of the Jewish authorities, the same Jewish authorities, the same enemies that had made sure Jesus was crucified. So this is really important for us to understand. No one close to Jesus expected to see him ever again. And that's the truth. All four gospel writers Make that much very clear. In fact, the young man, the angel in the empty tomb, had to remind the women, he's risen. He's not here. You will see him just as he told you. Like, don't you remember Jesus talking about this? So here's the point. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was just as unbelievable to the early disciples as it is to modern people like us. The Greeks didn't believe in a bodily resurrection. The Jews did not believe that a person could physically rise from the dead. Even though these same disciples had witnessed Jesus raise a number of people from the dead during Jesus' life. When they are finally told that he's alive, they are not happy about it. They are confused and afraid. End of story. And this makes me wonder, why would Mark end his story of Jesus' life here? Why? Now, some of you are thinking right now, uh, Pastor Dave, uh, in my Bible, the story continues for another 12 verses. In fact, there are 20 verses in Mark chapter 16. And even though your English translation probably does have 20 verses in it, there, sh there should be a note that tells us that the, most, uh, that the oldest and most reliable trans uh, manuscripts do not contain verses 9 through 20. And that is actually true. Uh, today, textual uh, critics and scholars agree that the last 12 verses, beginning in verse 9, were added later by Jewish scribes to sort of wrap up the story, to give us some closure. But those are not part of Mark's original story. Now, there are some theories as to uh, why, that, why that is and what may have happened that caused Mark to end the story here. Uh, some scholars believe that Mark actually wrote a final page but it got lost 
Uh, maybe the first and the last page they think got lost, just like some of your children's books that you leave laying around or in your car or in your house that, you know, a page ends up getting torn out at some point and now we don't know, now we have to make up the ending for our kids or whatever. Um, who knows? I mean, who knows what might have happened to the, to the last page of Mark's gospel if he actually wrote another page. We don't really know. Uh, some scholars believe that Mark may have died or was killed before he was able to finish the story. And then other scholars believe, other people believe that, you know what, Mark... Mark just chose to end the story here. And that's actually uh, what I think happened. I think Mark actually chose to end this story here. And if you believe that, then the last word in Mark's story is the Greek word for fear or phobia. It's the word we get for phobia, our word phobia. Fear is the final word in this grand epic of Jesus' life. And I want to read the last verse to you one more time. I don't want you to miss this. Verse 8, the women fled from the tomb trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And that's the end. Now this is, very, this is a very unsettling ending for most people. We have an empty tomb, we have an angel, we have some eyewitnesses, they run away, they're scared, and, and then what, right? We want more. Where's the reunion of Jesus with the disciples? Where's the joy? Where's the victory? Where is Jesus flying up into the sky with inspiring last words? Mark's ending doesn't give us inspiration. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't leave us with inspiring last words. He leaves us with a lot of questions. And I wonder, though, if that's the point. It's like a great TV show that leaves you in suspense, dying to see the next episode. We're supposed to walk away from the text, hungry for more, wanting to know more about Jesus, wanting to know more about his words and his life. Is he really alive and how can I know? That's, I think that's what God wants for us. Mark's biography of Jesus' life does not give us closure. Here's something I know about closure, and you know this too. Closure helps us move on. It, it, it helps us leave something in the past and move on to something else in the future. Am I right? If you don't believe me, just think of a relationship that you've had that ended with no closure. Uh, I could tell you about a few relationships I've had that ended that way. Uh, remember Sue, the girl I told you about from Good Friday? That's just de she was just one girl in a long line of girls that ended relationships with me. Uh, a breakups, you know, a list of smart women who closed the door on Dave Bloom. Rejection, no warning. Let, let me just speak to the women here for a minute. If, I want to let you in on a secret. If you want a guy to think about you periodically for the rest of his life, all you have to do is abruptly end your relationship with him with no closure and no explanation. It works. You will be shrouded in mystery in his mind forever. You will be an enigma that will eat away at him for years to come. By the way, please don't do that to us. It's very hard to move on when we don't have closure. But I wonder if maybe God doesn't want us to have closure. Maybe God doesn't want us to move on from the resurrection. Maybe God wants us to think about the resurrection and what it all means every single day. You know, throughout your own life, you will meet with endings that you weren't prepared for. Something will end suddenly, leaving you confused and uncertain or even scared about the future. Think about our high school seniors right now. Just about every high school senior I know is in this spot. 
One of my nephews, I have a nephew who lives in Omaha, Nebraska, and he is not sure how, this, how his senior year is going to end. Will he get to walk with his fellow seniors? Will his soccer season be canceled? You know, what is his summer going to look like? What's graduation going to look like? Will he ever be able to make up for the things he's already lost? There are so many family members that, some, that people have who are sick or hospitalized. One of my friends, his mom is in the hospital right now. She's on a ventilator. He's not sure if he's going to see her alive again in this life or if he will have to say goodbye over the phone. There have been job losses and layoffs and furloughs that people weren't prepared for. And, and some people are wondering, when will I get back to go back to work? Will I get my job back? When I do get my job back, will things be back to normal? How will our jobs be affected? How will our churches or our lives be different? Will the Milwaukee Bucks ever win a championship in my lifetime? I know that's not important. You know what? One of the things that I'm surprised about during this season of our lives, I, I thought I was going to miss sports a lot more than I do. I really don't. I really am not even thinking about the Bucks very much anymore. I was thinking about them a lot more when they were playing basketball. Some of you have experienced abrupt endings, painful endings in your life. It could have been the ending of a job. Maybe it was the end of a marriage, the end of a pregnancy, the end of a life. You didn't expect it. You weren't prepared for it. You didn't plan for it. And you didn't get the closure you wanted. And Mark's ending teaches us that we need to learn how to live without closure. We must learn how to live in this world with uncertainty. And God has made us to do that. And I want you to remember something really important today. This is not the end of your story. No matter what chapter or scene you find yourself stuck in today, this is not the end of your story. No matter how much worse it gets, God is not done writing your story. He's not done writing his story. And we are part of his story. And even though we don't know how long this scene or chapter is going to drag on, we do know how God's story ends. It ends with resurrection. It ends with redemption. It ends with restoration. It ends with God making all things new. It ends with Jesus being revealed as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It ends with Jesus coming back to make everything right. And do you know what the resurrection means more than anything? It means this. It means that God is faithful. What does that mean? You know, when preachers talk about God's promises, God's going to keep his promises. What does that even mean? I want to be specific for you today. Here's what God is faithful means. It means that God will never leave us alone. It means that God will never give up on us. It means that God will never stop loving us. It means that God is going to finish what he started in you. It means that God will never abandon us. He will not stop changing us. He will not leave us in our pain. He will not leave us in our frustration, in our disappointment. And here's, here's something that's even better. The resurrection of Jesus means that this body is not the only body we will ever have. It means that this life is not the only life we will ever live. And it means that this world is not the only world that we will ever know. We're, by the way, we're going to unpack that next week. We're going to talk about the world that is to come. I'm really excited about that. I hope you come back next week at 10 o'clock when we talk about what that's all about. But today I want to close with this. 
I believe that some of you who are watching today would like me to just tell you that everything is going to be okay. And I can't do that. You know, some of you want me to just give you a blessing today and tell you that you're, you know, assure you that you're going to heaven someday and let you get back to living your life. And I I can't do that. I, I don't have the authority to tell you that. I can't give you that kind of closure. That's between you and God. And if you have never had a personal encounter with the risen Jesus, you will never have that kind of closure in this life. You will never have that kind of peace or rest in this world. But here's what I can tell you. Mark's story of Jesus' life is not the end. It's the beginning. And it could be the beginning of your life, of your new life. If you have questions about this, if you have questions about what, you know, what does the resurrection mean for me? How can I have peace with God? That's normal. That's good. If you're confused about all this, that's okay too. So were the women. So were Jesus' disciples. So here's what I want to ask you today. Will you take the next step? Are you willing to go a little further? Are you willing to find out whether Jesus is really alive? How, how, how can you do that? Well, I, I want to tell you two things as we close. First of all, for you to take the next step with God means that believing that Jesus Christ died and rose again. That's it. Okay, if you believe that Jesus was a real man who died on a real cross and who rose again and that he's alive today, that is the most important step that you could ever take towards God. But I want you to stay to the end of the service today because I want to give you another uh, another step that's a little more practical. Something I want to invite you to do something with me uh, starting this week. And I'm going to tell you a little bo- bit more about that um, when we come back. So I want you to stay for the end of the service today because I'm going to tell you what that is. I'm also going to, we're also going to uh, be, in, there's going to be another little surprise at the end of the service. I also want to encourage you as we transition into a couple worship songs together, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to give today. And there's a couple different ways you can do that. You can, you can give online by going to crosspointwestdallas.com slash give. There's also a number that you can text, uh, it's, which is very easy. Once you've put your information in, it's very easy to give through texting. And uh, the reason I'm asking you to do that is because we're in a unique time where we have an opportunity to reach out into our community and bless a lot of people who are struggling to find hope right now. We are finding new ways every week to reach out to different people in different businesses, and uh, different people who live in our community to show them the love of Jesus. And we also have an opportunity to help out our own people right here at Cross Point Church who are struggling right now. And that's where your giving is going to go. So please consider giving today. I know that we used to be a church that gave predominantly in person, but now we need to become a church that gives online. We're not changing our giving habits. We're not changing our giving heart. We're just changing our giving method for the time being. I want to ask you to do that. And I want to in, introduce you to our worship directors today, Mark and Lindy Spielman. And they have, uh, they're, they're prepared to lead us in a couple songs this morning that I think are going to bless your heart and encourage you in your faith. And so I am going to close our service with prayer today, and then you're going to see them. I'll be back in a few minutes uh, to wrap things up with you. Please join me in prayer. God, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your love for your church, and I thank you for your love for this world. I thank you, God, that Jesus is alive today. And I thank you that because Jesus is alive, we have hope. We have a hope that nothing in this world can take away. And I pray that that hope would become very real for the people listening today. 
I pray that you would send your spirit into living rooms all across our city through our church service and through all the other church services that are happening this morning. Every church that is preaching the gospel is giving people something that this world can't give them. And I pray, God, that you would start something new in people's lives today. We thank you so much for Jesus and that he is alive and that someday we will be alive again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.